Hello, friends, and welcome back to We Three Pod Things, the podcast where we talk about another podcast called I'm Emily. And I'm Annalise. And today we have a guest. We have my friend here joining us. And we're going to talk about five ways to wisdom from Kate. So we're going to get started talking a little bit about purity culture, which is something that I'm learning a lot about from my co-host. <laughs> so why don't you start us off here, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your experience. Well, first of all, I feel like I'm lucky to be in good company with Annalise because <laughs> it's one of those things that you just... Literally, no one has ever said that about me, Literally, so it's like, no. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> because when you when you come across someone who had a shared experience as you did as a child, that's so strange. Um, it's just, it's so reassuring and reaffirming. That was something I was thinking of today on my drive over here was some of the friendships in my life. And the, the reason why they mean so much to me is because in the way that I grew up in this sort of religion, I didn't realize as a child that it was so strange right. and wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was made a lot of times to feel like I couldn't trust my own intuition. And that's been something I've had to deal with as an adult mm-hmm. and coming out of relationships and things like that. So hello, Laura. Thank you. Yes, that's why I attended <laughs> therapy. <laughs> I know you're listening. <laughs> So to find other people, it's reaffirming that, yes, I wasn't crazy no. and I really did experience these things and other people have had similar experiences. And you know what I realized the last time we were talking is it's kind of also there's this weird part, sort of nostalgia that's like you knew you it's fucked up and you mm-hmm. don't want to go back to it. But at the same time, it feels comfortable and there's like a weirdly pleasant feeling associated with it. Like, I know what you mean. We, we, um, talked about Brio magazine it being like in this focus on the family, you know, preteen magazine and how I don't, it's weird that it almost feels like calming and reassuring Mm -hmm. that like someone else had, like, I don't, I remember that. I know my sister remembers this, but like somebody else was there too. And like, was like, Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was. So then when you, yeah, when you connect with somebody that's like, yeah, no, we had the same weird ass distorted experience. Yes. Like it just feels stardusty. It reminds me of Dr. Becky when she's talking about attachment styles Mm -hmm. and she says home was home. Right. Uh Whatever home was for you, Mm -hmm. even if it was unsafe, even if it was frightening, it was home. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That does make me cry. That's Mm -hmm. very like. I know. It's something I have actually talked with Laura about also, but I've realized in the last couple of years as I talk with other people that grew up in the same church or the same similar environment Mm -hmm. that I did, that we all have the same kind of fucked up problems like we have the same issues male and female Uh you know like and also just the number of like queer individuals that like we we ended up growing into Mm -hmm. like it it just it's comical to me at this point because the first probably five times it surprised me Uh and now it's just like no we need a support group Mm -hmm. i literally on my drive over here today was thinking the exact same thing like i would love there's a few other people that i know that are in town and some are older some like some are younger but all kind of from a similar background Mm -hmm. and i just think it'd be so fascinating to get together i've told laura before everyone's at Mm -hmm. i could bring you 20 people for a support group right now because I, I have started following a lot of accounts on Instagram mm-hmm. that are talking about deconstruction yes. and uh, evangelism. That's yes. one of my favorite hashtags. Or like the religious trauma syndrome and those yeah. types of things, which, like I said before, I didn't know was even a. Mm-hmm. I was, um, there's one, a few people that I follow on TikTok 
that talk about that. And one of them was a former um, praise and worship leader for like Dayspring, not Dayspring, um, but one of the bigger mega churches or mm-hmm. whatever. And her talking about the emotional manipulation and stuff and and like it was it was formulated the way that the songs were presented and the build up and the way that you talked about it and that was actually what got me thinking maybe I should do some EMDR therapy mm-hmm. to 2000s mm-hmm. 90s praise and worship music oh my gosh yeah and it's that had that was like a that was a big key for me mm-hmm. of like starting to unlock a lot of stuff that was holding me back that I didn't even I didn't know that that's what it was right. until you like are start when you, when you're hearing these things or thinking about them and and then of course the EMDR activates parts of the brain and and it's it's fucking wild yeah. and it's not unique to just Indiana either no. this although I think this woman did spend some time in Indiana it seems like she did because yeah. she talked at one time about the trail of death right which went through our area Mm -hmm. um can you guys talk a little bit about what made your adolescence different from maybe someone like me who dodged a proverbial bullet with this whole experience (laughs) if you only knew (laughs) i'm sure you had your own experiences yeah there are still things that happened to you that made you fucked up just in a different way you're not wrong Um, so you mentioned not real, like not realizing, um, that there were people that didn't celebrate Halloween or whatever. I knew that was a thing, but I, you talked about adolescence. Let's go back to childhood. Yeah. Right. Like (laughs) from the very beginning. Yes. So I was not allowed to celebrate Halloween and I distinctly remember throughout elementary school, um, you know, my parents would like write a note or talk to the teacher or something. I would literally just be pulled out of class. Mm-hmm. Because they were, oh my God, you guys, they were reading Where the Wild Things Are. <gasps> Something like that. I mean, yeah. just the most like basic and benign thing now, but that was enough to like pull me out of class. And what does that teach you as a child? Like already I felt apart, but not in a good way. Like they wanted mm-hmm. me to feel, you know, and then everybody else is questioning you and asking questions. And it is very I didn't, have, I didn't have a good answer for it as a kid. I was just, I don't know. My parents don't want me. It easily transitions you. No, right. and that's a common theme throughout. That is a common theme throughout life. You weren't mm-hmm. allowed, you weren't allowed to ask questions. And oh. if you were, you were just, you know, the response would always just be like, throwing me back into the Bible. Well, ask God. Mm-hmm. I have a great, I have a, that just, yes, let's hear it. Um, I had, I was, we were up in Michigan one night, my ex-husband and I now, and this place that we were supposed to go stay was closed. There'd been a storm or something like that. And this is just classic. This is a place that she visited a lot. So she knew the area really well. Well, we've driven all the way up there. There's no place to stay for the night. So I call her hoping that she'll like get on the phone or get on the internet because we didn't have access at that point to like find another place for us to stay. Mm-hmm. What did she tell me? Just pray. I was going to say, just I was going to say it. Like, Trust we're God. literally stranded in the middle of the parking lot and God knows we're in Michigan at like mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night and you're telling me to just pray. Mm-hmm. That is classic. Because like, you know, there was you... never another way, which I, I believe there is a place for that, but I I wanted practical things it's for both mom, and there was never any and. practicality. No. Right? It was just like some crazy, like sending me back into the abyss. It was like the beginning of a solution, but not seeing the solution to fruition. And that always made me taken care of. Mm-hmm. Actually, I wrote that over on my layover. There were several, I'm getting off topic again, um, but there's there were several, there's a couple instances that stick out in my life where 
not being able to trust my own intuition was so strong. One of them was with my high school sweetheart, who I loved dearly. And my mom and I fought and fought and fought over me dating him. because Oh, Catholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My husband is now Catholic, but like that was a big deal. Yeah. And it was my senior year. We, we, we kept dating, but I always knew in the back of my mind, I didn't have her blessing or like the church's blessing. So I kept breaking up with them. Mm-hmm. And this has caused me a lot of trauma over mm-hmm. the years. Like I feel so guilty about how I handled that relationship and like, who knows, you know, I'm, I'm, everything's good now, but like where it could have mm-hmm. gone or those types of things, because I wasn't allowed to, to feel my own intuition yeah. and let it see, it, you know, kind of play it out. There was another time when I was older and I was contemplating taking a different job out of state. And again, um, my mom, instead of, you know, instead of listening to me, it's like, well, why don't you go talk to pastor so-and-so about it? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, why the hell do I need to go bother him? I feel like he has a million other more important things to do. But again, my own judgment system isn't enough. Right. And that was the common theme throughout mm-hmm. my life was like, whatever you're thinking is not good enough. You know, you need to go have. And that was something that my mom did a lot was run from person to person to person seeking advice mm-hmm. um, to answer, but could never, you know, be trusted with her own advice. And that's something that I learned. And it's something that um, my friend and my previous boss and I used to kind of talk about, like, she'd often be like, here, like, don't always assume that someone else has a better solution than mm-hmm. you or knows better than you. You know, you have that within you. It's- so self-trust or self-mistrust mm-hmm. was not an accidental outcome. Oh, it was very intentional. Absolutely. I mean, that was, we, that's what we were groomed to do that. We, the desires of the heart are evil. Yes. Okay. So, um, I don't, I was talking with a, a DSP or maybe, uh, I don't remember. I was talking with a DCP, a direct service provider for one of my clients who had just been in the hospital recently. And, um, I said, we were talking about that hospital stay and I said something about, <clears throat> so does it indicate whether or not he has a heart issue? And I was like, Ugh. I was like, sorry, that's weird. I don't like saying that phrase because for me, when we, when I, in, when I was doing something that was quote unquote sinful or like re- trusting yourself. rebellious, yeah. Yes. yes, yeah, exactly. They would say, very calmly though there was no conflict no con- it was also it was very pet not it was just a weird dynamic and i know Carrie, you're gonna know exactly the the way that it was presented was you have a heart issue mm-hmm. you need to work on that you need to work on your heart issue because your heart was being you were following your heart and your heart is sinful mm-hmm. but right in hearing you say that i'm immediately like who is this person to tell you? Exactly. That you exactly. Judging that off of? Right. How do you and, fucking know? And as a young child or a teenager, I mean, for me, I was extremely impressionable and I held all of those people to the highest esteem. Mm-hmm. And so for them to tell me something, another note I wrote down on my way over was um, there were several times that like someone in the church would like set me up with another boy mm. and they had prayed about it. Oh, Jesus. So just those words and that trust that I had in that situation made me automatically think like this is the one. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. And any amazing. weird feelings I have about not having a connection, yes. I can't trust those. Right. Because we already know it was ordained. Yes. Then me thinking that it was the one made me act crazy. Right. Right. And so like when it didn't go well or when, you know, we eventually quit dating or whatever the situation was, I'm immediately thinking I did something wrong mm-hmm. because this this relationship was supposed to be ordained by God. Mm-hmm. I mean so and so told me so. Mm-hmm. And obviously they know better than I do. Right. Like they prayed about it. I mean, that caused some fucked up shit. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes. Crazy. So I apologize to those people out there if they happen to be listening. <laughs> and know, not truly who I and was. know who you I are. I thought we were meant to be. I thought it was a, a door. Listen, thank God. Little known. God had we told me it was real. And, you know, it was crazy. The first time I started seeing the crack in that mm-hmm. framework was um, my freshman year of high school. I was going to a Christian, private Christian school run by the church that I was a member of. And my, my sister's older than I am. Um, beautiful voice and she was on their um, elite music ministry team and then this one the pastor that had been in charge of it left and so then someone else became in charge of it and um he was not a pastor he my sister's a little weird um i'm also a little weird but my my sister's probably on the spectrum like and i know that we she and i have talked about this before and she's gone and and seen had some evaluations done or whatever so it's no it's no secret she always struggled to fit in and relate to people um she's very much now definitely her own person Mm -hmm. and that's very good when that pastor left and this other guy took over he kicked my sister out of the group and there weren't you weren't really supposed to be able to get kicked out once you were in you were in um and would you like to take a guess emily she had a heart issue. Oh, oh, you walk right into that one. <laughs> My sister is the sweetest, uh-huh. kindest, most soft-spoken, empathetic, ne- never initiates conflict, um, always supportive. Like, it would be like saying Jesus mm-hmm. had a heart issue. And my sister would hate if she knew I compared her to <laughs> Jesus. But um, still. Mm-hmm. I was like, she hadn't done anything. She did nothing. She never caused any drama. Like I was the extra one. I was the one that, so I didn't, I also didn't get in. Mm -hmm. Um, And most everyone assumed that I would. I could get it why I didn't get in, right? Like I was too mouthy or too (laughs) extra or too outgoing. Didn't know how to stop talking. So interesting that having a voice (laughs) seems like something that you would benefit from if you're going to be. A singing least. group, mm-hmm. but oh no, no, you have to also be very manipulatable. Yes, um, but my sister not being in it, like <laughs> never, I could never, I, and that was when I first started being like, I think they might be full of shit. <laughs> yeah. I think that this might be mm-hmm. bunch this of bullshit. More to do with human ego than it does have to. Yeah, do with human. this is that doesn't sound right. What was that like the first time? How old were you? I was 13, 14. Because that's a whole house of cards. Easily ignorable. I had a lot of other, uh, we ended up actually, that's why we got, we, my parents pulled us out Mm -hmm. of the school and sent us to public school. And I was a furious. Mm -hmm. I did not want to go to public school. I had friends there. I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to public school. Mm -hmm. Best decision my parents could have ever made. Well, I'm sure at that time you were probably before you went to public school, you were told how this other school is so good for the heart mm-hmm. and you're, what's the word that was always used? Special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not, and I'm not thinking not special. No, <laughs> we're all special. But yeah, it was. In a Christian sort of way. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, that was weird. Mm-hmm. But there did get to be a point where I just couldn't ignore it anymore. Mm-hmm. How about for you? When did fog start to lift even a little? I have to say, like, 
all throughout my childhood, I asked a lot of questions. Stuff just didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. You know, being told that other people were bad and the type of music they listened to was bad. Like, I played along because I wanted to be the good girl. Mm-hmm. And I was really good at that. But inside, I didn't believe it. And I didn't, but I didn't feel like I could question anything. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I definitely, as I, a lot of it shifted as I got a lot older and became an adult. But I don't know. You're wearing your purity ring today. I did bring my purity ring for you both to see today. How does it feel to wear it? It feels a little icky. Yeah. <laughs> then take I it off. <laughs> I feel like I need to sage it. Yeah. Yes. I feel like there's some bad yes. energy attached to it. Definitely. Yeah. I have to um, think on that. I can't think right now of when the fog lifted. Tell the story about the purity ring. Okay. I think for me, um, I remember, I think I must have been a freshman in high school. And so I'm like, you know, really into boys, but also at the same time wanting, you know, really attracted to this idea that there's one person for you. Was that big with your church? Oh, yeah. There's one person for you. You're meant to be. And I loved that idea. And I read the True Love Waits book and all the magazines and all the things that went along with that. Because mm-hmm. it was a big deal at the time. They talked about it at mm-hmm. church. They talked about it in youth group. Um, they talked about it to both the boys and the girls. I don't know. Presumably. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think so. I'm I sure they so. did. I think that, though, in addition to the whole waiting until you were married, mm-hmm. what the women or the females got a lot more uh, modesty uh, lectures. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that responsibility heaped on us. And I don't, from what I have heard from many people, men who grew up in that same environment, that was not Mm -hmm. so much a focus Mm -hmm. for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had this like blind trust, again, that every, this is another theme I've noticed throughout my life. I had this blind trust that within the church, if I found a boy in the church, like that would be okay. Mm -hmm. And they would be on the same page as me. And we all had this like, understanding right of like these rules that we were all following and when I did start to date different boys and things in the church I realized quickly that was not the case Mm, say more about that yeah there was I don't know like I was just so naive so naive I literally think I grew up under a rock um we were placed under a we were placed (laughs) under a shelter very there was never a sex talk except that it was bad right right and like what would you do in this situation my mom literally walked me through (laughs) when she'd trap me in the car alone She'd walk me through like different scenarios. Like, mm-hmm. so what would you do if a boy started? I mean, how uncomfortable. Like, it just made me so just cringe and right. go inside of myself. Yep. Which is the whole part about like living up in your head and that type of stuff. Like, oh, it made me so, so crazy. And um, it being your responsibility yeah, to have also, the solutions for that. Yes. But also, you know, I just thought of this. It made me have like two lives. Like I would tell mm-hmm. her what she wanted to hear mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. to get out of the situation and away from it. Uh-huh. And then I'd kind of go off and do my own. Because there wasn't, there was no safety in that conversation. It wasn't an actual conversation of safety. For your own good. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like. It's, it was all fear-based for right. me. Like everything and in shame. my world was fear-based and shame. Yeah. And if you didn't already know the answer, mm-hmm. that was a problem. Mm-hmm. And again, led back to some sort of lack of worthiness, whether yeah. it was a lack of faith or um, corrupt mind mm-hmm. or rebelliousness or whatever like it it, you should already it was like being asked questions by a lawyer like you should already know the answer they're not asking because they genuinely want to exactly right what are you going to do um so i guess with the purity culture thing like i had it in my head and i wouldn't i had no problem like telling boys that i dated like i want to wait until i'm married Mm -hmm. and i was like shocked (laughs) it didn't like that 
And you were like, wait a minute, we were sitting next to each other in Sunday school. What do you mean we're not on the same page? Or other guys that I would date in high school that didn't go to my church and things like that. Like it was just, and then I started to feel like something was wrong with me Mm -hmm. because I had these like high standards and values that no one else shared. It was, it just, it caused a lot of issues in my life. Complete lack of self-trust is really the Uh the name of the game. Mm -hmm. The theme. Oh, I totally blame that for landing me in my first relationship. My first marriage, I'm sorry. Well, and Um, believing that the world is so unsafe, that everyone is preying on you, that you always have to be vigilant, that you always have to be guarding your purity. But also, you might cause someone else to stumble. Yeah. Yeah. You're the predator and the prey. You might show in your shoulder Mm -hmm. or a little Mm -hmm. too much cleavage or something like that may just cause the down of uh, mankind. Oh, my God. It's all on your shoulders. reminds me of a story about um, the first time, not the first time, but the one of the how I was sexualized as a child Mm -hmm. by a member of our church who was a pastor's wife. So I went to church. I had this adorable dress. It was like this, um, it was kind of like a Chinese style, like button up, Mm -hmm. like it was purple. And my mom got it from Walmart. And I loved that dress. fucking loved that dress and one day i showed up to church in that dress and mind you my mom my parents yeah it was buttoned up no cleavage um but apparently my legs had gotten a little longer Um, my mom saw me uh, and had no problem with the way that i was Mm -hmm, dressed mm -hmm. i i had to have been 11 12 i came to church and i was standing out in like the in between like Sunday school and the, in the service. And this pastor's wife walks up to me and she goes, I just have to ask you what was going on in your mind when you put that dress on this morning? Oh my goodness. To an 11 or 12 year old. Mm -hmm. Why isn't she talking to your mom first in that situation? You know, if you fall very valid questions. Yeah. I was like, um, I was thinking that it's my favorite dress. dress. And she was like, well, I think you need to go and take another look. And maybe it's time for you to find a new favorite dress because that is way too short. Oh my goodness. And I was just like, but you were like a child. I was a child. So, but at the same time, I wasn't shocked either. I was Mm -hmm. just like, oh my God, you're so right. I didn't realize it until you said that, but yes, this is way too short. Right. And like, God, I am, I am, what a heart issue. issue. (sighs) Like, oh, I'm, I'm vain and I'm, and I'm immodest and I, I feel felt Probably a little lustful at 11. right yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. i was slutty really at, at 11. Mm-hmm. i was asking for attention you're asking for it did you talk to your mom about it my or mom was, was something you just held i didn't i don't think i told her right away mm-hmm. but i know that, that my mom and i had a conversation so my ashamed. mom was angry Good. angry like i think the dress was fine mm-hmm. and she should have talked to me instead of to you about that. Again, everything is so right? yeah. Again, everything is subject to interpretation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, but then here's another a little little story about that. My my best friend was the pastor's daughter, mm-hmm. and um, she had I don't know we were we were we were either in junior high maybe high school high school I think, um, and she had worn some lipstick or something and they were doing like the greeting portion of the service 
Yeah, and the lady in front of her turned around, shook her hand. She said, well, you look like a hooker in that lipstick. Oh. She's like, I think you need to, you should wow. enhance, like, some, like, handed her a tissue or something. I was like, that's not a good color for you. You look like a hooker. I cannot get over just the amount of talk about sex that happened uh-huh. near constantly, it sounds like. Yeah. Well, as I, grow- I mean, there were allusions to the act all the time yeah. this thing that you're not supposed to honestly think about or talk about is being put in your face right in front of you yeah. all the time every step we would take we had to have that in the back and of our minds yeah and i if this is a from what i understand from talking to other people this was a very common theme for pastors kids because they were sort of, especially if you had like a big church sure. they were like almost quote unquote, celebrity figures. Yes, I was just going to ask you about that. I mm-hmm. saw that in the church that I went to. Mm-hmm. She, the, which made people think that they had the right to say anything mm-hmm. and everything to them. And they clearly didn't mind saying anything to you either. That was Caitlin Curtis. Exactly. Her mom, her dad was Potawatomi. Mm-hmm. He left, left okay. or, or moved. She still had a, a relationship with him of some kind, but her mother married a Baptist preacher. Right, right. And so then she was, fully immersed into this purity culture. Mm-hmm. She got her purity ring. Yep. And I think that was actually in well, one of my notes. How well, it, how easy it was for her to be like, kind of launch herself into that good girl, like mm-hmm. being the best at knowing your verses and being the best singer and mm-hmm. all those things that matter in a small church like that. Yeah. She was a plus mm-hmm. people pleaser. Yes. So she fit that very neatly into that. It was yes. instead of it being a safe space, it was a safe space of fitting in mm-hmm. rather than of belonging. Like you knew exactly what you had to do, what lines you had to say, yeah. with how long your hemline mm-hmm. should be. And again, everything we did was to, was we had to analyze through this lens of something that we were not even supposed to be doing right. was bad. Mm-hmm. Or in, know or watch or have any reference to. Right, exactly. Right. Except it was literally all we thought about. Mm-hmm credit card machine the more yes i mean like i don't know if it was the same for you but we talked the other day about like there's so many movies and songs and tv shows and things like that that i wasn't allowed to watch oh yeah so then it became like this very mysterious thing that you kind of want to know more about yes you know then you can become obsessive about it or things like that because and the pendulum swings the other way Mm -hmm. which is no wonder why we have so many young adults and that have been suppressing their sexuality and then when you do get married overnight yes you're expected to turn it on sex on command Mm -hmm. the credit card machine and be happy about it and be happy about it i want to expertly put forth was the credit card machine tells you don't remove don't remove don't remove (laughs) and then then, remove 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 all of a sudden yes have sex with your husband whenever and you should know what to do yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. you should know what to do I want to go back to a second about the lady that called you called the girl a hooker for mm-hmm. her lipstick. Mm-hmm. As an adult now, and knowing what we know about the churches and things like that, it makes me wonder how much of it were those women uncomfortable by these young girls coming up in the church and like trying to protect, not protect, but like not wanting their husbands to look. Right. Oh God, that's such you a know? good point. Yeah. yeah. Like because I felt like there was a lot of that also yep. as you get older, and because they also felt like they had this authority just some random lady mm-hmm. in the church mm-hmm. that had this authority to come and say such a thing. Yeah. That's, there's multi-levels there's to that. There's, yes, mm-hmm. multiple levels of fear and, and sources of that fear too. And that was another thing that I had been, I thought about the last time we talked and I was, mm-hmm. I was thinking about today, a story that one of our pastors 
had told us about his loving wife, um, who he ended up cheating on with one of his counseling people who I don't even know that that was really cheating. I think that that was coercion, Mm -hmm. but that's neither here nor there. At the time he was talking about when they would go to the grocery store, his wife would warn him snakes on the left, snakes on the right magazine Mm -hmm. cover that was, had a scantily clad woman on it or, um, someone exposing themselves too much or Mm -hmm. whatever over and and oh she was she was shepherding him this pastor through the store and helping him and and was in charge of making sure that he didn't fall into temptation but why is that her job it's not why is but that her it job reminds me of talks about the ladder mm. and as a white woman a lot of times you just want to get as close to the power yes. as you can. Yeah. So you can't be at the top of the ladder, but you can be above this little girl who's wearing a short dress mm-hmm. and you can put her in her place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you just snatch whatever power you can mm-hmm. when you can. Yeah. And there's also, as with most things I've realized, when someone says something to me that is hurtful or critical and just really out of nowhere or off base, it, it's it's about them. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. not about me. It's a reflection of how they're feeling about themselves mm-hmm. that they're projecting onto me. And I also wonder if there's a little bit of that. I don't wonder. I, I know that there's a little bit of that in it where like, mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to wear that color lipstick. Right, exactly. What makes you think you're allowed exactly. to? Exactly. And I could have well, never done that when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Instead of going... Well, you see adults act like that with kids all the time. Still, you know, yes. Yeah, and in and out of the church in different places. Yeah. Like kind of putting these... And then I think there's... There is too also that whole when your entire culture is built around men having power over women, ultimate power, it definitely fosters that sort of like almost rape culture thing where you, there you there are no limits for you. So it attracts a certain kind of personality and fosters a certain kind of of grossness. Mm-hmm. Caitlin talks about that in such an interesting way when she talks about the people who were allowed, there was a religious doctrine that they were oh, given. Mm-hmm. The doctrine to, of discovery. To conquer lands that didn't belong to them because they were quote unquote impure. Right. And how easily you can draw the line mm-hmm. between that and a woman's body. Absolutely. And, and men are just given unlimited license and that is also very Sonia Renee Taylor, mm-hmm. where, you know, capitalism and misogyny and racism is not just about physical products. It's about people and emotions and bodies and beings. And it's it's the same thing that Doctrine of Discovery, go out and tell all the nations and um, it, colonization, all of it's not just for your not just for your physical products, it's for your bodies mm-hmm. as well and your kids. Mm-hmm. And you just don't realize that. And that has, that has also been something that I've thought about as I'm doing some of this like healing and recovery of a little, just a, a little bit of empathy for the quote unquote other side or thinking as a guy, how hard it must have been to and how confusing it is to not to be encouraged to 
to have this sort of mindset and this frame of mind and then not realize or or now be confronted with like that's not legit Mm -hmm. and it's wrong right and not to make excuses for them but just giving myself like giving a little understanding Mm -hmm. of why that might not be something that they can just immediately turn off Yeah. yeah because they've been turned on for it their whole lives and you don't just over overnight get over that well even for you guys we talked about how you still have these knee-jerk reactions at times we called it (laughs) (laughs) i would i wouldn't know because i was one of all of these words make me cringe impure halloween (laughs) celebrators no i i want to point out britney spears I, i listen to her later Watching the Torkelsons on Sundays when y'all were at church. Okay, now here's, so I think we have a spectrum here. Mm -hmm. We have here on the end of the spectrum where she was like really deprived of a lot of (laughs) pop culture and and enjoy of children. Exactly, the country music, the country music loophole. But I have my niece right there. (laughs) I I did celebrate Halloween earlier on. Mm -hmm. And then after we switched to a different church. Wait. Did you have fall parties though? It's a called a harvest party. Right. This is how the church has gone around. The fruits, first fruits of the harvest, are for God. Yes, in the in the Uh in the gymnasium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there were little stations. They weren't for trick or treating. No, not trick. It was not trick or treating. It was was not not the same at all. But there were little treats that you. There were items of candy. <laughs> you don't even call them treats. No, no, I'm sure they didn't call them treats. That wasn't until I was older. Like, uh, I think I, I don't know, I was probably late elementary school, middle school-ish. And my parents didn't really give a shit about that. Um, it wasn't really, they were just like, whatever. We there definitely had rules about, like, what kind of costumes we could have. Um, but I did watch the Torkelsons. Mm-hmm. I did not, though, watch a lot of the beloved childhood movies of the 80s and 90s, like um, Beetlejuice. Right. Or... No, I've seen that just in the last few years. Mm-hmm. There, my husband is really enjoying going back and watching <laughs> these episodes with my stepson now. <laughs> I will say, okay, so Beetlejuice the musical has some fucking fire music, <laughs> and Jack loves it. Mm-hmm. And we, so I was like, oh, let's watch the movie. And like, he, he asked me to like turn he was like i'm a little uncomfortable during this and i was like you know what that's fair that's good, because yeah. what oh god what's his name i can see his face michael keaton? michael keaton going around like honking his junk mm-hmm. that, i mean okay. like i get it yeah, yeah that's okay. kind of crude um but there was a oh god what was there was another one um drop dead fred nope, definitely fine. couldn't definitely mm. couldn't watch that um, looking back now like i don't know why I mean, because Brio magazine told our fucking parents <laughs> that was a two star on the stars to heaven. Yes. But yeah, I, it didn't seem like there was any rhyme or reason as to which ones I could watch or not watch. I mean, it was like horror movies, anything with sex, mm-hmm. um, but even crude language, any sort of like uh, ghostly kind of, you know, anything supernatural, supernatural or no. challenging your parents. Yes. Oh, of, yeah. Kids with bad attitudes. Yeah. You know, what was like probably the edgiest movie I ever watched? And I, not edgiest movie I ever watched, but like probably like the most rebellious was the Buttercream Gang. Oh my God. 
I knew you were going to have that reaction. Oh my God. I knew I that. I just asked my husband the other day if he's ever seen that show and he hasn't. And oddly enough, I think I only saw it at school. For some reason they played it and I didn't go to a Christian school somehow. Um, a lot of people would have thought that I was oh, homeschooled and I wasn't. I, <laughs> in fact, was homeschooled for a brief period of time. But... Emily, the buttercream gang. Yeah. I have we're going to have to Google this and find it. Look I was actually I just looking it up the other day and I don't remember why. Because I thought that I could bring something to the table with these new movies that we're watching. I was like, what about the buttercream? What was He's the, never heard of it. There were two. Christian thing that took place in this salacious Well, show. it was it was a Christian movie, wasn't mm-hmm. it? So Pete, I think, was, was the best friend who ended up getting okay. shipped to his dad in the city. Ooh. And then he came back and he was just a little hellion. He was just, he was in the, with the wrong mm-hmm. crowd. Heart issues. Yeah, Out issues. the wazoo. Right. Stealing from old ladies and drinking pop when he was told not to and talking back to people. I and remember having something the to do with will baseball. Do yeah, there was baseball something. Something with baseball, I can't. Was it that one or was that the second one? I didn't know there was a second um, one. There was a second one where they searched for lost treasure. Oh. But anyway, yeah. Any time that we saw rebellion or conflict or, or pride... Mm-hmm. It was as a cautionary tale, mm-hmm. and it was certainly to show you the downfall of disrespecting your parents or thinking for thinking yourself, for having an, having an having an opinion outside of the norm. And I that, want in that world exactly. I want to say I don't think that my parents intentionally wanted that to be the message, mm-hmm. but it was mm-hmm. essentially stripped mm-hmm. down. It was. And that goes back to this whole, like, not being able to trust ourselves or trust our instincts. And um, I, we talked, I think the last time we talked about, I had this moment in therapy, in the EMDR therapy, where I was singing all of these songs about love and God loving me and God taking care of me and what a piece of shit I am. And I actually pulled up the lyrics to this song. Um, Surrender doesn't come natural to me. I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want than to take what you give that I need. And I've beat my head against so many walls. Now I'm falling on my knees. I'm singing, hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. You have, you're my, you've been my king of glory. Won't you be my prince of peace? Um, there's another line about when the mountains look so big and my faith just seems so small. Something about resistance, too. You make my resistance seems so thin yeah your grace rings out so deep it makes my resistance seem so thin and just like how weak i am and and what i want isn't right and it's it's just so ridiculous that i want this thing and um, plenty of other songs too like that 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 feeling that i got in my body of this doesn't feel right this feels weird or that just that that physiological feeling in my chest the chest tightening coming from people who were shepherds the pastor who was supposed to be you know a a metaphor for god in a way that was supposed to be this paternal figure that that i associated that with love Mm -hmm. and i associated what i now know to be the feeling of my intuition going, no, this is mm-hmm. not right. And the disembodying mm-hmm. of my spirit, how that affected the way that I approached relationships. And 
if it didn't feel this way, then it wasn't love. But that was never love to begin with. It's so sad because I said this, I talked about this, the God that I believe in doesn't want any yeah. of that right. for you yeah. or right. for you. Right. Yeah. Well, and that was something that I honestly didn't see until college after when I started sharing my story and realizing people looking at me funny like I grew up like what are you talking about <laughs> no nah, girl started, you're still cute but it's yeah, just the way you tell your trauma like a stand-up like, routine well, <laughs> but like you know that that's not everyone else's experience with God mm-hmm. and that was one of the first moments I guess that was really um eye-opening for me and maybe that crack was like oh my gosh maybe the God that I thought was there all mm-hmm. along that I believe in really is what other people believe in and I've been in this other weird like world mm-hmm. and But then you get a knee-jerk reaction too, where you're like, "That's bad," because you've been told that that's wishy-washy, and you're not truly Christian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But when you were talking a little bit ago about giving, you know, men in that world some grace, I've often wondered how my mom ended up in this in her. And if you, again, in talking with friends later on in life, I think she, I think she had high anxiety that I wasn't aware of, and religion was a way to control that high anxiety. And was she raised in that similar no. environment? She oh, she wasn't. In okay. High school. Okay. Um, and then like threw threw herself in like full force. Mm. And it's I think such an insidious thing to do to parents, yeah, who just want to do right by their kids, mm-hmm. and they just want to do the best they can for their kids, and so they're given this what seems like a playbook. Yes, like of, here you go. This is the way to go. Of how yeah. they can love and care for you and set you up to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's all she ever wanted oh, for sure. you. Right. You know, I don't doubt that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think over the years, and then she and my dad were, they were both equally Christian, kind of the same level of spirituality, I guess, at that time. And when he left her, mm-hmm that completely broke her world Mm -hmm. and her trust. Like she was afraid that because she was getting divorced against her will, that was going to send her to hell. Right. So she had to counsel with, you know, Emily and pastors about that and make sure she was okay. Um, And then I think that just set her up over the years for um, just that distrust, but she threw it all into religion. And like, you know, like I said, it just went all the way through to her death thinking that she wasn't hearing correctly from God or just blindly following these different things um you know i just it makes me sad i mm-hmm. wish that we could have had these conversations later on in life but i also because it was so strong with her i couldn't i never i again i felt like i was two people like i was one way around my mom and we could have okay conversations but we could never get deep because mm-hmm. i couldn't question anything right. or i couldn't be honest about how i felt um and so i don't know it's just it's really sad now that we never got that opportunity it makes me think of caitlin when she talks about replacing one system with a different system yes yes and how that's never the answer you can't replace one system with a different system you've got to just discover your embodiment there's no healing right well one of the things i think is funny is in later on in my mom's life before she passed she was very much into like Mm -hmm. speaking the word out loud Mm. which means like praying bible verses Mm -hmm. over yourself Mm -hmm. much similar to like mantras mm-hmm. and but new age and the spiritual was very oh i couldn't bad. do yoga exactly. no, no one could do yoga is of the devil <laughs> now there's christian yoga and that's okay that's there's okay. christian that's the thing for the for the wishy-washy christians who aren't up to the standards right. yeah um, is it truly okay though check your heart right check your heart exactly check your spirit yeah 
but later on in my life, I'm like, you know, and I'm going through like mantras and things like that that I'm using to like calm my nerves or work on those things. I'm like, there's no difference. It's you're doing your yeah, you're doing the same exercise. Tomato, right? tomato. Exactly. Nicole LaPera. She says how everything comes back to different versions of the same Nicole LaPera says beliefs are practiced thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is it doesn't matter if it's a verse or something a poem, something you just you made up yourself. Mm-hmm. You will, you just have to practice the thought, right. say it over and over again. A mantra is no different from a script, from scripture right. and whose scripture, exactly. Christian scripture, mm-hmm. Muslim scripture, okay. the, the, you know, Catholic missing chapters of the Bible or whatever, mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter. So how are you guys doing the work of re-embodying after all that for me? Mostly had to do with my mom's death that finally gave me the confidence. Well, I had no choice. My mom was a very big religious figure in our community, in our world, and rightly so. I mean, she was very giving and loving, and you know, prayed for everyone. Both and, things and can people. be true. You're right. Thank you. And so, um, when she passed away, and I was really going through. I mean, like I said, there had already been so many cracks and things along the way, but her death and watching how it was handled by that time. And I just remember thinking I had this like little cord attached to me and God. Mm. And I had to let everything else that I had grown up believing, I just had to let it go. Mm-hmm. And I just had to hold on to my faith in God and the way that I saw it and the way that sat well with my soul. <gasps> everything else had to go away. Mm-hmm. And I went through this period of like several years and I just, I just could, I just, I, I, that's when I stopped doing a lot of the things that had been a part of the church that I really wasn't believing in, but I was still doing out of tradition or mm-hmm. whatever. And I just had to let all those things go. And I, I just remember thinking to myself, like, okay, God, it's just you and me. Like, if this is for real, I believe in you. I just don't believe in all the crap that's been built up around it and all mm-hmm. the human, I think that the ego and all the other things that have come around it. So I've got to just hold on to this one belief that I have that you're real mm-hmm. and the way that I see you and a loving God and a kind God and all these things. And that's just where I landed, mm-hmm. and I have not turned around or looked back. You said a thing just then that shook me to the core. Um, my um, when my grandpa died, I considered getting this tattoo. One of my favorite hymns has always been "It Is Well with My Soul." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when you were telling us the story about your mom mm-hmm. last week, the phrase it is well with my soul mm-hmm. just kept echoing oh. in my head over and over again. And then, and then today I was thinking about like, maybe I'll bring that up at some point. Yeah. And then you just said, which sits well with your soul. Yeah. And so that, that was why I just <clears throat> lost my shit for a second. I love that. And that means so much too. If that can be your judge of character or the, your judge of being in the world, something that doesn't <laughs> sit well with you mm-hmm. or doesn't sit well with, and that's, that's what bothered me, I guess, so much growing up. Like, we talked about this before, how my mom had this dichotomy with like gay people mm. and the phrase, you know, pray away the gay, but hate the sin, hate love the, the sinner, the sin, love the sinner. And so when I would question that, and one of my very best friends that I met in college was gay, and he's probably one of the first like friendships that I knew I had. My mom at one point literally thought if we hung out too much, gay, <laughs> and that might be a reason why I wasn't dating a lot of gay. And I knew that not to be true, but man, that sends a lot of self-doubt mm-hmm. into you. And it drives a wedge. that you think has the, the direct line to God and knows all, mm-hmm. for her to start questioning your sexuality 
when you're already like, no, I'm just effed up because of all the other things that you've done to my life. Pick a book. All these other ways. Yeah, Yeah. that one's just not in the catalog. Uh, Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But that just that just never sat well with me. It did not make sense. It did not make sense to me that you talk about this loving God, but yet not not for that person and not for this person and not for this person. It just happens to not go to our church. Only only the ones. Yeah, you can't help but. What are those things? Mm-hmm. It's very Wizard of Oz too. Like, don't pay attention to the man behind yes. the curtain. Uh-huh. Like, don't think too hard about that. Right. Because if you do, you're going to start uncovering a whole lot of truth that's really inconvenient for the patriarchy and and the pastoralarchy mm-hmm. to explain. That is that that's going to let you know that they're fucking. It's bullshit. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all pretend. It's all made up. It's mm-hmm. structured. And maybe the root of it wasn't. But it's right. definitely been very carefully curated to serve a specific population. Well, and you talking about that, and Emily, this is probably like not news to you, but I also, not until I met people as an adult, I just believed the Bible. Like, that's what I was told <laughs> to believe. So mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew there are other religions, obviously, and they're bad. They're mm-hmm. wrong. Right. Yeah. We did a whole series at my church on Christianity versus this oh, one and this one and this one. Yeah. It was right yeah. after 9 11. Oh, okay. But like, I didn't know that there were Yeesh. parts of the Bible missing or things had been rewritten or mm-hmm. I, I didn't know any of that. And it wasn't until I met other people and kind of those things started to come into play. It's, I just, it's, it sounds so naive, but when you're just, when you're just, when you just lived that way your whole life and were taught not to question things, it's just, it's very, it's exhausting too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to constantly be walking through this world now, like, oh, I thought we had it figured out, but now I'm like learning that and is, questioning everything. That's such a great way of circling back to but that makes the, also I remember being in college and taking a hate and violence class mm-hmm. and um, people, other classmates joking about people who thought that the world was created in one day mm-hmm. and just everyone like laughing about it. And I'm just sitting there like, mm-hmm. I had never really thought about it. Right. And all, and like, I mean, I'm not allowed to see anything else. I'm not right. allowed to like, I have to think think that way. Right. Right. Like you're, and you don't have anyone around you telling you otherwise that there might be another way. Right. And another way to think about it. You're, you're really, you're belittled if you don't believe Mm -hmm. it and you're belittled if you do believe it. Mm -hmm. So you're fucked either way. Um, but that bringing me back to a note that I had written early on where she talks about assimilation is a violence that disconnects us from ourselves, Mm -hmm. erases who we are, requires us to remember. But if the whole world is a relentless effort to dismember us from humanity, then we have to learn how to be human together. And this is what happens when you try to automate things. Mm -hmm. You try to put in the cheat codes or the easy button and go, okay, so I can just go ahead and divert any energy from this specific framework and having to think about these morals or these questions or these values so, because I have a finite amount of, of energy, so I'm going to automate this part of my life mm-hmm. to make it easier for me to spend the energy in other areas. Mm-hmm. And I think religion is like that, and I think there's all kinds of other things, too. I think that's how we get the us versus them yeah. dynamic that is still no, so was... prevalent in today. The Bible begins in that way, right? Don't eat from the tree of knowledge. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but it, and it it reminds me of a conversation I'd had with someone because I said, they had asked, is there anyone that you don't think should have a voice or that doesn't have something worth listening to? 
<clears throat> and I said, no, I think that there are, I think that everyone probably has something to say that is <clears throat> worth listening to. And he was like, even Hitler. And I was like, yes, but, and I, and, and again, it goes back to like what we've talked about with cults too. Like the, the grain of truth that someone has to say is what makes it so difficult or hard or insidious because then they can just pile on all this other bullshit. Right. He struck a nerve and had, he was a great speaker or whatever, and like had all these things to say and he used it completely for corruption and evil. And because he was a flawed and horrible human being himself. And he was, I said, so yes, like that, I think that everyone, should, yeah, everyone can say what they want. That doesn't mean they're not accountable for mm -hmm. what, for exactly. what they're being, for what they're saying. And that doesn't mean that I have to agree with what they say or take everything that they say and believe the whole thing. Like a, what a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Yes. Like, okay, that doesn't, it's, there's a grain of truth in one of these small things that you said that doesn't make everything else valid. Mm -hmm. okay. And him saying. I think that that you probably would have been in the Nazi party then. Like you would have probably been the kind of person to like report Jews and stuff. And I was like, I don't think that that's true. I think that, and I know that's not true. I know mm -hmm. that that's not true. That's such bullshit. And we definitely argued about that. That's what happens when you try to automate things. Mm -hmm. When you try to come up with a formula this is how we know that you are a good person. This is how we know that you're a bad person. There's no room for nuance. There's no room for um, evaluating other people's circumstances or right. acknowledging what other people's existences are. It has to be, it's black or white. It's mm -hmm. this way. Binary. Binary, exactly. And you automate it so that you're not even thinking yes. about it. That's how you end up with things like genocide and the right. Holocaust and right. any other manner of cultural or intentionally discriminatory practices because you're automating something that you shouldn't because it's uncomfortable to think about these things. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable to question ourselves and go, whoa, why did I have that knee jerk reaction? What does that say about me? Mm -hmm. mm, if I can just go ahead and assume that because I'm a child of God and that I've, I've prayed to Jesus to be my Lord and savior that I can, I'm good. You're set apart. Right. I'm set apart. I'm in the world, not of the world. Mm -hmm. I don't have to question why I did that. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm right. Mm -hmm. Right. I have that superiority. And that's what we're today. Mm -hmm. And, and we, that's the root of so many problems with race and with politics. And it's, yeah. it's just it's prevalent everywhere. Because we, were, we, we see this when we try to automate our emotions mm -hmm. as well. And that's how we end up with addiction mm -hmm. um, or other poor coping mechanisms because we're not putting the energy into sitting and with our feelings and understanding what was what's going on and we're trying to automate them or asking the right questions right when we stop trying to automate our feelings we are becoming more embodied and she talks about embodiment means sitting with the discomfort mm -hmm. sitting with the uncomfortable and unknown and uncertain and challenging that's becoming more embodied and we were just talking about it earlier replacing old bad habits with new bad habits and not necessarily realizing that we were doing that mm -hmm. until we do but we're doing that because 
we we're so used to automating this experience and avoiding the discomfort and the uncomfortable because if we look at it again too closely everything starts to fall apart the whole structure so when you think about all the ways that you were taught to mistrust yourself taught to view your body when she speaks about referring to the earthly mm-hmm. referring to your own body or as her in what ways is that in conflict to what you were taught and what is that i know that we talked about this before um she talked about mother earth begging you to feel something mm-hmm. and at the same time also screaming out like i'm done mm-hmm. i'm done that all very very much vibed with me because there is and we've talked about this before and um with some of the other episodes too very much the connection between nature and people and we would be crazy to completely ignore it because we do have an effect on the environment and the environment does have an effect on us Mm -hmm. if we are getting more in connection with nature and she talks about some of those ways like bird watching looking outside um Oh my God. And ask permission of the earth. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That was like a thing for me where it was like, instead of just coming out into the earth and doing whatever I want to it, asking, can I come in? Mm -hmm. I know none of us think about the ways Mm -hmm. that we perpetuate that colonizer mentality, Mm -hmm. but man, oh man, Mm -hmm. there's one. And even if we know that the answer is going to be yes, that doesn't mean we don't still ask. There that is big for me for re-embodiment and remembering by allowing myself to have a connection to the earth instead of in a, in a symbiotic connection to the earth rather than dominion over the earth mm-hmm. and um i don't know Kier, what's your thought yeah, i it immediately reminds me of or what i what my brain goes to is oh more of the screwed up like shame that i felt about my body and sex and all of those things that really has only um, been healed in the last few years. And it was so bad that like, I couldn't go to the gynecologist without sobbing. Mm. I don't know why I was never raised. I do, you know, it's because your body stores all of that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, like literally going to the gynecologist, like I would weep the entire time and I would avoid going as much as possible. Um, And there was just a lot of, I don't know, shame and trauma around sex in my life. And it wasn't until I met my husband now. I mean, the first few times I just cried. Like I, it was just someone, I think, paying attention to you, (laughs) someone loving you in the right ways. I did not know how to handle that. It's overwhelming to let someone see you Mm -hmm. for who you really are and them not reject you. Like it's all, it's almost like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. right? Like <laughs> y- there is, there is something wrong with you. You yeah. are, you are either stupid. Yeah. Um, you're going to take advantage of me somehow. Right. Like, there must be something. I'm stupid for wrong. not knowing what you're trying to get from mm-hmm. me or you're like evil or like you're, you're, you're a sent to tempt me and tempt exactly. my faith. And exactly. like, yeah. And, and, and it, it can't is, just be good. No. And then there's or no, joyful. right. It can't be genuine. There has to be some ulterior motive. I told you about my words of the year. And so I think that year, Mm. and that's also what makes me think about 
mother earth and my body as myself and reclaiming sexuality, reclaiming those types of things for myself. Mm-hmm. That was a big theme. What's your word this year? Oh. If you don't mind. No, this year it was, um, oh, I have it written down. It's basically like letting go of things that I can't control. Mm-hmm. Things that, you know, just I ruminate on that bother me. Things that other people do that involve my life and finding joy. Yeah. And the small, you know, and the everyday things and like taking the moment to enjoy it. Because one of my, one of my issues that I've noticed over the years is staying busy. Yeah. And a lot of it had to do with my first relationship. Um, the busier I stayed, I threw myself into my work. I threw myself into my friends. I didn't want to be at home. I didn't know why at the time, but the busier that I stayed, um, the more I could keep ignoring what was really going mm-hmm. on and all the red flags that I had ran past um, with that blindfold willfulness that I yeah. did. And so now that I, I mean, I'm just, you're still busy, but I'm trying to make sure and be present as well. Busy, not because you're trying to escape. From not yet. So no longer trying to escape things. Yeah. I was telling my husband over the weekend, like, I just enjoy being home now. Part of it was COVID. Like we all went through this together, mm-hmm. but also I just, I really love being home now because I like being with him and uh-huh. I like our family and all those things are, they're new. Um, one thing I do want to touch on really quickly is how uh, Caitlin talks about, she keeps a picture of herself mm-hmm. as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and a while back after uh, my ex-husband and I had split up, I was going through some pictures and I found this picture of myself in college that I was just being silly and goofy and loved it. And it's still on my, on my refrigerator today because I was like, I want that energy. Like mm-hmm. I want that carefree and I and um happiness and like the world was at my fingertips and I had this whole clean slate ahead of me Mm -hmm. and then also as I was in um therapy with Holly we were doing some inner child stuff and she one of the activities was like you look at a picture of yourself when you're younger and um there's this study that Nicole LaPera talks about in one of her books um about like the power of the mind and aging and there were there were these two different groups of of people same demographic same age and stuff and they had them live for a week in this dorm situation or whatever and one group um they just had like um they were encouraged to just talk about their memories and 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 stuff like that and the other group was told to live as if they were in their 20s. All of the mirrors were replaced with (laughs) photographs of themselves in their 20s, the music, the headlines, the TV and everything. (laughs) And they took pictures of these people before and after. And then they asked people on the street, like, who do you think is older or whatever? The group that lived as though they were 20 had like their aging, their signs of aging had decreased. Mm -hmm. Like they, like people genuinely thought that that picture had been taken three or four years ago. And that being like the power of the mind, Mm -hmm. but that also being so relevant to healing. And if we are taking these photos of ourselves as kids and reparenting ourselves in a way and like being safe with ourselves and how much we can actually heal by doing that something as simple as just like looking at a picture of ourselves and connecting with that piece of ourselves we can actually physically heal ourselves it's just wild when glennon talked about her daughter was having big feelings about turning 17 16 again and glennon said you're gonna be 16 forever you keep all of those versions 
child yes. doll with yes. you, like a nesting yeah. doll. I love that. That was a great way to look at it. Mm-hmm. It really makes sense. I did love that. Anyone have some final thoughts that they want to touch on? Oh, I do. Want, I will also say, while you guys are coming up with your final thoughts, you had asked, like, how are you healing your relationship with your spirituality or with God? And that really hasn't happened to me until very recently um, when my friend asked me if I wanted to um, sing in the choir. And I was like, yes, yes. Oh, she was like, do you want to do a solar for me? And I'm like, hello, people have it. Give me attention. Like, yeah, for sure. Like in a church. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, bitch, you go to therapy and you listen to these dang songs to try to heal from it. Like this is actively what you avoid, but there's still being some grief around not having that sense of community or family and feeling. And as I started and also this that required me to trust someone else who believes in god that they aren't going to try to gaslight me or push me into not liking myself and i decided i'm going to give it a try and the first sunday that i went we, i just sang in the choir and it was like a, a spiritual because it was uh, black history month and i swear to god i felt part of my soul return back to the rest of me because there is an existence in which the there is a higher power mm-hmm. that we can acknowledge that is love and goodness and also still maintain our own like sense of independence mm-hmm. and value and worth like there is a reality in which people can do that and that's been really singing at trinity <laughs> has has been Part of that yeah. for me reclaiming mm-hmm. some sort of spirituality yeah. for yourself mm-hmm. you know what it means for you and emily and i have also talked about this before um elizabeth gilbert talks about um god is in us mm-hmm. as us mm-hmm. and that's kind of my more my branch of yeah. spirituality is believing in the divine mm-hmm. and then we got that i got that term from jane fonda mm-hmm. but yeah. that god is in me i am god when i am whole mm-hmm. and when i am aligned with my highest self and i don't have to get to connect with god i don't have to go external and ask this it's that closer to find i don't have mm-hmm. to go to the mountain i don't have to talk to the preacher or whatever like i can go inside myself it's and i can simple. connect and do that so, <laughs> yeah. so yeah I, love I think so i remember i just think this is ironic this is why i'm going to say it i remember when my dad left um he at the time apparently had kind of taken on like a more new agey journey mm. which my mom demonized of course mm-hmm. of course to justify the divorce and everything. um but you know it was very it was looked down upon to go to skip church mm-hmm maybe go walk in the woods and things like that and so i've always hang on I, can yeah. i interrupt you for real quick yeah. i my dad always my dad worked in a factory for a very long time mm-hmm. and um he worked overnights and so he didn't come to church with us on oh, sundays often no. because he wasn't back from work yet yeah. and then he would be home sleeping and when we started going to to the church that i ended up like really growing up in I had friends who thought that he was a non-believer oh, and they were like, why doesn't your dad come to church? Is he a non-believer? And, and I was like, 
<laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, he works in non-believer. Yeah. yeah. No, he just, he works. And they were like, oh, he has a job where he has to work on Sunday. Yeah. He took a job like mm-hmm. that. Like, yeah. That in that, but that being such a, that was a thing. thing. That was judged, mm-hmm. that was judged upon. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, so growing up, I guess in, in recent years, that has been, I just, I, when you said looking for that community, I also miss that, but I don't know what that looks like for me anymore because anytime, um, my husband and my husband was raised Catholic and is he a lapsed Catholic? I like to call myself a lapsed Baptist. Oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot there as you can imagine. Um, but he invited me to their church. This was like right before, I don't know, right before COVID or something. And I literally sat in the parking lot waiting to meet him. And I called my best friend who has also gone through this stuff. And I was like hyperventilating in the parking lot. Like just the act of going back inside. And it seems silly now a few years later, but for some reason then. The dread that your body's feeling. I was feeling. Really dreading it. Yeah. And I was crying and I was like, <gasps> like, I don't know if I want to do this. This was a Catholic church. It had nothing to do with like, I knew it wasn't going to be the same for me as it was in my, in my old churches. And it's um, still a symbol. But it's funny because I asked him, I was like, okay, they don't do the thing where like they make the new visitors get up and talk, do they? And he's like, no, no, no. It's what did they do? Aww. Huge church. And at the end, sure enough, they have you stand. And I could just sit and pretend, but everyone's looking at you. Right. And Everyone like, knows. I, I still have that good girl thing where I'm like, yeah, I have to follow the rules. You know, and so I stand up, they put a microphone <gasps> in my face. Like, all the worst things you can possibly imagine happen. But um, anyway, nowadays, I, you know, gratitude lists are really big for me. Taking time. Um, I, I pray all the time. Like, I pray to God all the time. I read a lot of spiritual books and self-help books and things. Um, I am trying to find ways. I, one of the parts I loved Caitlin talk about was living in your body, living in your head mm-hmm. and reading all these things. And I read all these books and I can tell you all these different things, but I, I feel like it doesn't always drop down into my heart. Yeah. And so I loved mm-hmm. that part because I don't want to take up rock climbing necessarily, but <laughs> looking for something like that, where I am getting out of my mind and getting into my body, um, I think there's something magical probably there that I'm missing mm-hmm. out on that I want to find that piece. So, um, but yeah, I just, I don't know the, my, I don't know. I just, I feel like everything's possible. I real I feel very comfortable with my relationship with God now. I can't really explain it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really fit into, you know, all these, because it's based on intuition. Yeah. It is a good indicator. It is a good indicator. You can't explain. Yeah. It doesn't fit neatly into any explanation. Right. That's probably yeah, it's a good thing what it should be. Yeah. I just feel at peace with it. Emily's used to this. I have written down on my notes, living in your head never goes anywhere. And then I said, that's why we podcast. Mm. Because when we are getting it out of our heads, you know, I've written it down in a notebook. So it's working its way out. Yeah. It's not just this concept in my head. But then you speak it out Mm -hmm. loud. That's how we integrate. And that's how we get out of our heads and it's instead of that first step mm-hmm. of we'll just pray about it. Right. You can pray about it mm-hmm. and then also take a few yes. more steps yes. to finish the cycle. And that's what this podcast is for mm-hmm. us. And I've had people question whether or not we, why we did this and what, with what authority. Mm-hmm. And I say with none, right. with the authority over myself, exactly. with, with the intention of if no one else ever fucking listens to it, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Right. I get to spend time with people mm-hmm. who make me feel more whole mm-hmm. and I'm in, I'm reintegrating and I'm 
processing. It's just another it's form healing. of therapy. It yes, really healing. And healing. you don't have to like it. So don't listen. Right. Yeah. If you don't, if it doesn't work for you, blessings on your day, <laughs> cross it off your bingo board. That's why we do this podcast is so we get out of our heads mm -hmm. and into our bodies just a little bit more. And having you here to do this with us. I mean, it's, such I have joy. thought about nothing else since Wednesday night. Oh, mm -hmm. You can come back I mean, any fucking time here. Anytime. Too. It's it's just it's so good, like you said, to get it out and talk to other people about it and those shared experiences also, but just learning other people take some thoughts on where we're at in the world. It's like being seen. Yeah, it's it belonging no, right. instead there of is. fitting in. Well that's yeah. what I was gonna say when you talked about community. Because I have driving out here today, I drove past my mom's old house. I drove through an old town that we used to live in and I saw some people like parents of friends in high school. There's something that I've rejected, but yet there is a longing for that sense of community and simplicity. It's the and Brio like magazine. That. Like Brio magazine. <laughs> but I don't know how to find it in this new place without losing yourself. Um, Are, I, is it that you're going to lose yourself or is it that you just don't trust yourself maybe, to know when, when, maybe. when you're starting to slip? Yeah. What I'm thinking about is when my mom passed away, this little tiny church in this little teeny tiny town that, um, that she, that she grew up in, you know, these people I've never met before did the whole church dinner. Mm -hmm. And I, that is so sweet. And I love that. And there's so many things like that that are just going to die away because our generation and the generations before us haven't continued those mm -hmm. things. We're all too busy. And that makes me really sad. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I also don't want to be the one to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Why I haven't started this yeah. damn therapy group. Like, yeah. I, I know lots of people want to do it. I just yeah. don't want to be the one. Yeah. And I, there's something about that from the church for my time in the churches for so long mm -hmm. and three days a week and all that type of stuff. It's like, it, I don't know that I'm ready to go back to that. It feels like a very slippery slope. Like it we could very easily slip back into that. It's a new well, habit. That's still a bad yeah, habit. Yeah. But I, here's what I don't trust. Because I don't, I don't want, I feel like in a lot of organized churches and places like that, easily comes back to it gets so quickly far away from god mm -hmm. and back into the humanness of mm -hmm. it so mm -hmm. oh we haven't seen you in a while oh where have you been like there's just all that you're there's just landmines everywhere with judgment and that judgment is because they don't trust you right because you can't trust you Instead of having this generosity and assuming that you're doing the best that you can, right. we we start out at a, at a default. We start right. from negative, that we're all sinful and falling fallen and short of the glory of, right? Like you have to prove yourself mm -hmm. by you doing these things. Do all the dinners or the volunteering and all that stuff. And, mm -hmm. and there's no respect for boundaries. No. Oh my God, Kier, can we do another, do let's another do another one, one where we talk about how boundaries are not taught in religion, period. End of story. <laughs> not only not taught, but actively, actively destroyed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Restricted. Mm -hmm. I want to say a big thank you to um, We Can Do Hard Things and Caitlin um, because it really helped me draw some parallels between needing to be in, in earth and indigenous and um, reclaiming that part of our generation as well, mm -hmm. and also how it affects us religiously mm -hmm. and has affected some of us traumatically. And so I'm just really, I'm glad you picked that episode because I don't know that I would have picked it on my own, but this mm -hmm. was something that I needed for sure. I doubt that she thought just for a few minutes talking about period.
nerdy culture would have blown up so much. <laughs> right, like an yeah. a, a, over an hour long. Yeah. I mean, we didn't we didn't even get to half of my notes. All the so. Other all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. One thing I do want to say is I know that we've gotten a little off track with our um, episodes and life has been happening and we hope to get back on track to having them weekly and having them posted either Wednesday night or Thursday morning. Um, we're going to hopefully return to that this week. So uh, this has been We Can Do Pod Things. I'm Annalise. I'm Emily. I'm here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Bye.